The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences. If you are not an adult, please do not let your parents know you're listening to this, and don't repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please drink responsibly. Now that we have all that covered, let's start the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 302 of the podcast. Unless you're joining live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. If you want to catch the show live, make sure you subscribe on one or all of those platforms. Turn on your notifications so you know when the show is going live. Like right now. Today is Sunday, February 12th. Super Bowl Sunday. It's going to be a lot of broken hearts before Tuesday the 14th, Valentine's Day. If you're a Chiefs or a, I don't know, whoever else, whoever the Chiefs are playing. Um, <laughs> obviously, I don't give a shit about the game because I'm doing an MMA podcast a half hour before kickoff. So um, I guess, it, you know, don't ask me if I watch the Super Bowl. But I know someone who is going to watch it. So, I guess we got to get a move on here. Let me introduce all the way from the frigid Garden State, the world traveler, Jeff, the animal, Wilson. Jeff, how are you feeling on this Super Bowl pre-Valentine Sunday, my friend? Bill, I don't watch the Super for the teams because Tom Brady is not in it anymore. So it's not even a Super Bowl at this point. Bill, I'm watching for the commercials. I mean, there's this there's this chip commercial that has um uh the guys from Breaking Bad. I can't remember the names for some reason. The you know, it's got um Walter White's character, Jesse Pinkman, and then uh that dude Tuco. I saw a preview of it on Instagram. It looks it looks really clever. It's it's pretty well done. So Bill, I'm I'm in it for the ads, dude. And uh maybe the Super Bowl halftime show. <clears throat> Who is it? I don't fucking know. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Last year was pretty good. Last year they had Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. I liked that one. Was that last year? I don't know, dude. They're all starting to turn into one. I thought last year was Maroon 5 with Bruno Mars. Was it? I don't know, dude. <laughs> but, um, but Bill, um, dude, we've been having some weird weather in Jersey. Yesterday was kind of warm out. So I washed, I washed the car. Um, okay. And, you know, did some laundry. Didn't freeze. So, no, but I didn't dry it. So now there are streaks all over it. I got to go wash it again. <laughs> You're cracking a little bit, Jeff. You're going pitchy when with the volume. Oh, well, I got. I know you're excited for this foosball game. The foosball. Foosball is for the devil. <laughs> Dude, I was watching that movie the other day with Waterboy, and I just, I always think of you when I watch it, Bill, because um, we're, I think we're both fans of, of like Adam Sandler movies. Okay. I didn't know where you were going with that. I think but, of you uh, when I see the water boy. <laughs> but Bill, I also think of myself because you know I don't have a job. So I'm thinking of of applying as like, you know, an an HTO an H2O distribution engineer for some college team. 
I do like high quality H2O, especially when it's mixed with yeast and hops. Um, I'm drinking a beer, Jeff, which is uh, rare for me these days, even though I love beer so much, but um, my body does not anymore. I just don't respond to beer the way I used to, but this is a hippie oasis. It comes from a local brewery here in uh, Gulfport, Florida, which is a cool little uh, town on the water here in uh, Pinellas County, Florida. Um, yeah, I um, I had a pretty good weekend, Jeff. My parents were here. I actually just dropped them off at the airport. What? Bill, why are you just telling me this now? I, I don't know. I would have doing? told you to say hi to them for me. They were asking about you, actually. Bill, I love your parents. And my awesome. mom was like, how is Jeff doing? And I said, I don't care. He doesn't do the podcast anymore. Bill, that was one time. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, oh, well, fuck that guy then. <laughs> Dude, I love your mom, man. Oh, man. she probably, I, I don't doubt that she said it either. <laughs> no, she definitely didn't. Um. So my parents came down. My dad had gotten me tickets for a concert. Um, I guess it was for my birthday. He gave it to me back in October. And then they um, <coughs> they flew down. My dad was in charge of booking the flights this time because, you know, he's coming down to see the concert with me. And he went and booked himself a flight during the Super Bowl. And he realized he was going to be in the air while the game's going on. My dad actually does watch football. So he was pissed at himself when he realized they're, they're probably um, probably going to be boarding a plane in a little while. I guess they're going to have to watch it on the plane or, or part of it. But maybe they'll be driving home from the airport while the halftime show is on. I don't know. Um, in any case, we went to see uh, Kenny Wayne Shepard in Clearwater on Friday. I don't know if you're familiar, Jeff. Dude, I love that guy. Uh, he's, he's an incredible blues guitarist. I've seen him maybe five or six times. Um, but I've always seen him like opening for other people. So this was actually like his headlining tour. It was the 25 year anniversary of his second album. So he played the whole album in its entirety, cover to cover. Jeez. And then he did like a 10 song encore, um, Dude, that must have been like a three-hour show. <laughs> it, it was close to it because the, the opening act did like an hour. Uh, it was this girl, Samantha Fish, who I, I was not familiar with her. Um, the first time I ever heard her music was like before we went to the show. I was like, let's watch some YouTube videos. And man, this girl can shred, Jeff. She's, a, she's up there, you know, just ripping it. Kenny Wayne brought her out at the end of the show, and they did like a little... Uh, dueling guitars at one point he was playing a solo and he dropped to his knees and he broke the neck off the guitar <laughs> they had to bring him a new one in the middle of the song yeah it was pretty awesome um he's got a great band too his drummer is one of my favorite drummers of all time his name's chris whipper layton and he was the drummer for stevie ray vaughn when stevie ray was alive so he was the drummer for double trouble um and the guy's just so good. He just, it, it's just effortless. He's sitting behind the drum kit. Like his upper body's not even moving. The dude's just like all wrists. Um, just so smooth. It was a great show. It was a good time. Um, 
you know, got to spend some quality time with the folks. Um, they got to spend some quality time with the kiddo, which is always nice. Um, they, they took her like all day yesterday, just took her around town here and playgrounds and, you know, that sort of stuff. So it was cool. Um, yeah, big, big weekend of fights, Jeff, but, uh, I want to lead off with the most important piece of news before you and I get into a debate about this main event. Hit him because he deserves it, Bill. <laughs> Little Evil, Jens Pulver, going into the UFC Hall of Fame. I was so excited to see this announcement. This might have been this might have been the most excited I've been for one of these announcements, Jeff, because you know this, but Jens Pulver is one of the reasons I started getting into MMA in the first place because here is this little guy who's maybe, what is he, 5'4", five, 5'5", five, five? Uh, little guy and a wrestler just knocking people out cold. Um, and I was like, man, this guy was a wrestler and, and he was a little guy just like me. And he's just knocking people out, fighting at 155 pounds uh, when he was probably, you know, nowhere near that weight. Um, it was just the lowest weight class they had at the time. He was the first lightweight champion in the history of the USC just had some historic wins, like things like his knockout of John Lewis early in his career, which John Lewis looked a lot bigger than, than Jens in that fight, but he just starched him like stiff as a board. Still, still one of the highlights they use most often to this day. And, um, he was just good everywhere, man. He had a win over BJ Penn when BJ Penn was like on fire early in his career um, and just, you know, fought everybody in and around that weight class. Um, even after leaving the UFC, he went on to have a great career in the WEC, which kind of counts towards his UFC um, record since they wound up acquiring them later on. But his first fight with Uriah Faber was at the time, the biggest fight the WEC had ever done. Um, and then, uh, unfortunately, he got to move down to 145 pounds, which was closer to his natural weight class. Um, he probably could have fought at 135 pounds if that weight class had existed uh, in, in his prime. But, you know, he was kind of out of his prime by the time he was able to fight at that weight class. So he went on a little bit long. It was kind of tough to see him, you know, keep going at the end of his career. But you know, still an absolute legend. So it's awesome to see uh, the UFC acknowledge him. They have him on sure dog listed as five, seven. And I, I... Bill, that's my height. There's no way this guy was <laughs> yeah. five, seven standing on a phone, on a phone book. This guy wasn't five, seven, dude. I don't, I don't think that's accurate at all. They're like, they, they let him pick his own height for, for this profile. I think like, how tall do you feel? Jens like oh well I felt about five seven when I knocked out John Lewis all right we'll go with that <laughs> yeah dude super happy for Jens Pulver um he's one of those guys that really really brought up those smaller weight classes mm -hmm. you know when uh when the UFC bought the WEC man uh so a lot of respect for Jens Pulver Bill I'll be honest with you 
Um, I never watched him fight live because, you know, I, I'm, I became a fan when I was a little bit older of the UFC, mm-hmm. but I've gone back and watched some of his fights, man. And especially the wars he went to with BJ Penn, dude. Um, like you said, when BJ Penn was the man, you know, and Jens Pulver, you know, able to, to, to get a W over him. And of course mm-hmm. he lost the rematch, but dude, at that point, I think he's, he'd already had everybody's respect in his pocket, man. So really well-deserved for Jens Pulver. Honestly, Bill, I thought they were going to go with someone like who retired a little bit more recently, like maybe uh, Michael Bisping or, or somebody, you know, somebody like in, in that uh, generation of, mm-hmm. uh, fighters but i'm so glad that uh that they're giving jens pulver you know the the credit and the respect he deserves man huge congratulations to him yeah and i i really think his record doesn't reflect how good he was because he did end his career at 135 i believe but if you look at the people he fought like he has a win over dennis hallman that guy was a welterweight um and dennis hallman had a win or two over matt hughes i believe so he was a big dude uh robert emerson he fought that was another big guy um let's see joe stevenson he fought who was the bigger guy um it, and you know just because he didn't have a choice throughout a lot of his career like those those smaller weight classes weren't there and then he was a big reason that you know like you said the ufc brought them in because those fights are doing so well in the WEC guys like Uriah Faber and Cub Swanson and Dominic Cruz bringing attention to those smaller weight classes. The UFC was like, Oh, maybe you have something here. Um, and you know, the rest is history. We we've gotten to see, you know, so many amazing UFC fighters come and go over the years because of guys like Jens Pulver paving the way. So it's awesome to see him get inducted into that pioneer wing of the UFC Hall of Fame. And we said, let's see, Rick Allen here says, yeah, but the difference is Pulver was capable of knocking people out and you aren't. Pillow hands, Bill. <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> I, I mean, I can say I, I've never knocked anybody unconscious like that before. So you got me there, Rick. Yeah, Bill, to your credit, though, this one time you got me with a nasty body shot that made me rethink <laughs> made me rethink a couple of things, Bill. Oh, man. Reevaluate. Life. Yeah, I was, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to stick to grappling. Screw this. <laughs> All right, Jeff, let's get into an argument here because you and I were going back and forth Bill, while I was, while I was Bill, falling asleep you, last night. Bill, have you opened your eyes yet? <laughs> so... Okay, UFC 284, Perth, Western Australia. Oh, dude, we got our our buddies from the MMA holes checking in. I don't know if you saw this, Jeff. They had Mike Goldberg on their live stream watching the pay-per-view with them last night, which was fucking awesome. Dude. Um, these, these guys um, started podcasting, like, probably around the same time as us, and they've just blown up with their YouTube channel. Um, but that's super awesome. They had, they had a live show with Mike Goldberg. Like it doesn't get better than that for, for the people who were watching from my era, that kind of nostalgia. That was, oh, yeah, for that sure. That's been so cool. That's awesome, man. So if you guys missed that, um, go check out at the very least the highlights on their Instagram, the MMA holes, uh, very entertaining program indeed. 
Um, so Jeff, let's get into this here because it, it <laughs> we were going back and forth and we were kind of saying the same thing. So I scored the fight for Mahachev, but I believe that Volkanovsky did more damage in the fight. Like there was just not, there were not a lot of times where Mahachev was dominant. Like even when he had the back with a body triangle, he's getting bludgeoned. I've never seen somebody get their ass beat <laughs> while they have a body triangle on somebody. Volk was beating the shit out of him with those little T-Rex arms. He's able to just, <laughs> just, and he's talking shit to him the whole time. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was it was a really competitive fight. Um, if you go by the scoring system that we have in place, Mahachev is the winner. But for me, it did come down to how you score that second round. Um, I thought one, two, and four went to Islam, and three and five went to Volk. Five was the most dominant round of the entire fight for anybody. And Volkanovsky finishes on top. Um, Mahachev's face was fucking battered at the press conference. Um, Volk had the more significant strikes. Um, I believe he was the only one credited with a knockdown in the fight as well, as far as the official stats go. Um, I don't know. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of recapping here, but. Bill, here's the thing, man. Um, Islam outpointed Volk. Okay. He outpointed Volkanovsky. I felt like he won, like you said, rounds one, two, and four, uh, especially four because he had the back control the whole time. Um, you know, yes, Volkanovsky was was punching him and beating the snot out of him. And I'll be honest with you, at no point did Makachev look like he would finish Volkanovsky when he was on his back in that fourth round. Mm -hmm. uh, Volk did such a good job of fighting the hands, always looping his arm through so that uh, there were there's there was very few moments where one of Makachev's arms was around the neck. And if it, and if it was, it was very brief in mm -hmm. that fourth round. Um, but unfortunately, you know, it's not, this doesn't come down to, you know, the way that these fights are scored bill is not about how a fighter looks, you know, if he's got more, you know, uh, cuts on his face and stuff. It's about controlling the cage. And I felt like Makachev was able to do that in rounds one, two, and four. You know, in rounds one and two, able to put Volkanovsky on his back. Was he able to keep him there? No, but he was able to get him there a few times. And I agree with you that rounds three and five definitely went for <clears throat> Volkanovsky. But here's the thing. In round five, did Volkanovsky finish on top? Yes. Was he grounding and pounding him? Not really. Because the takedown came when there was one minute left in the round. Volkanovsky needed to empty the tank. And the thing was that Makachev was able to break his posture and kind of keep him from really reaching up and extending to, you know, smash him. Mm -hmm. And he was pulling him into his guard and stuff. I think it was a good strategy for Makachev to minimize damage. And listen, Bill, what disappoints me the most of this fight is that Volkanovsky could have won. It, dude, I don't know where the leg kicks were. Um, <laughs> Mark Fellow says it was 50 40 to, <laughs> to, to, to Volkanovsky. That's, that's not even a possible score. <laughs> but, <laughs> it is eight. Um, eight, if eight, every eight. round was a 10 8 or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, 
dude, Bark, Bark's hilarious. And I, and Bark, I love Volkanovski, man. I wanted him to win. But, Bill, I was disappointed. I didn't see the leg kicks, dude. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you. I felt like if Volkanovski had invested into those leg kicks early on in the fight, Makachev would have had such a hard time taking him down or he would have had a harder time standing up with him. Because in the stand-up, mm-hmm. I didn't see um, – Volkanovski with too many problems. It was when they went to the ground, um, and when when they were in the clinches. Uh, Volkanovski is so physically strong, dude. I felt like he could have taken made better use of the mm-hmm. clinches. And his own corner told Volkanovski in at the end of the second. I'm sorry, at the end of the third round, he said we're two round. Their corner told uh, Volkanovski, you know, we're two rounds down. We need to mm-hmm. win these three. Mm-hmm. And you know, I Volkanovski. He even said it at the end of the fourth. He said, "This guy's got no. He's got nothing in submissions. He's got no grappling." So I just, I felt like Volkanovski was too focused on the crowd and pandering to them. I felt mm-hmm. like he focused a little bit more on the game plan. I felt like this fight was was his to win. Yeah, and credit to the judges too because um, it would have been easy to score this the other way. Yeah. You know, especially the way that crowd was reacting. Like I said, it all comes down to that second round, and and Volk had his moments in that round. Um, I I believe that was the first round where he kind of dropped him, um, but you know Mahachev came on strong for the whole second half of the round. Um, you know it was close, and I mean if you're there and you're judging, it's it would be hard not to be influenced by that crowd because they were so behind their guy. Um, you know, cheering them on and the chance and this and that. Um, but I'm going to grease my own wheels for a second here, Jeff, because these things I was talking about last week for the reasons that Volkanovsky could have won all came to fruition. The smaller, quicker guy is harder to take down because a lot of what you heard going into this, even teammates of Mahashev were saying like, oh, you should see him. He grapples heavyweights. It's like, well, yeah, but that kind of proves the point that the smaller guy <laughs> will be better in those grappling exchanges as long as they don't end up on the bottom. Uh, and that's what we saw here. Just because Volkanovski with those short arms and the low center of gravity, he's able to get those wizards and get those underhooks um, and not let Mahashev get underneath him uh, to get those takedowns. And <clears throat> his scrambles were great. Uh, he was quick. Um he was he was flying in and out of the pocket. I thought he looked great. Um, and yeah, it was a close fight. It was super competitive. I thought it was really entertaining. Um, it, it, it got cringy when they interviewed Mahachev and he was like, I need a real challenger. It's like, dude, you just got bludgeoned by a guy a weight class smaller than you. Like you look like you got hit in the face with a sledgehammer <laughs> and to, by a guy who you were calling a midget a week ago. Um, so, yeah. And then here's the other thing. So supposedly this was the fight for who's the best pound for pound fighter. Would you say Islam Mahashev is the best pound for pound fighter in the world after this performance? Absolutely not, Bill. Um, you know, like you said, it was a really close fight and I agree with you hundred percent. Me being 
uh, a shorter guy myself. I, I love grappling taller guys because they, they really can't get under me that easily, but I could get under them really quick. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I felt like that was definitely to Volkanovsky's advantage. And mm-hmm. I feel like he could have made better use of his physical strength. It looked like he was stronger than Makachev when they were up against the cage, man. Um, and like I said, I wanted to see more of the leg kicks, man. I felt like Volkanovsky could have could have won this fight. I felt like mm-hmm. he should have. Um, but but I just felt like he was pandering a little bit too much to the crowd. I felt like he was more interested in entertaining than than beating Makachev. Mm-hmm. And Bill, I agree with you. I felt like they were gonna I felt like Makachev won this fight. I thought maybe they would give it to Volkanovsky for the same reasons that you mentioned, you know, being the hometown hero and stuff. So I was yeah. like, dude, I hope they don't rob him and, and I'm glad they didn't. But, dude, I felt like Volkanovski, I think we saw him, I don't know if maybe he was injured or something building up to this, but I felt like he only gave maybe 78% or 80% of, of his full capabilities. I don't. I wouldn't necessarily call it a robbery if the decision went the other way. The fight was close. It came down to one round. It definitely wouldn't, even if the decision did go to Volkanovski, it wouldn't be as egregious as Volkanovski's decision win over Max Holloway. Bill, that only happened one time. He won the two. He won the two rematches, right? But he didn't win the first one. Oh, absolutely <laughs> and, not. And he was given the decision. So I'm saying, if he was given this decision, it wouldn't be as bad as the Holloway fight. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I see what you're saying. He definitely he could have won, and you know, Mahashev was exposed for a couple of things. Oh yeah. Um, you know, if he can't get you down. He gets frustrated, um, visibly frustrated. And I thought I, the fact that Volkanovski got on top of him um, was so symbolic at the end because to me it showed that Mahashev was broken. Yeah. Because the camp that he comes from and the mentality he trains with, those guys don't just roll. There's no light rolling. Um, with these guys that come from uh, Khabib's uh, team, you can't end up on bottom. That's losing to them. So uh, he's going to be, he's going to get his balls broken by his team and he's going to be shamed by his team, even though he still walked away with his title. Um, there's going to be a lot of shame when he gets back in the gym with some of these other Dagestani guys. And I'm sure Khabib's going to give it to him as well. Um, yeah. You know, how could you end up on a bottom of this guy? Though Volkanovsky was not credited with a takedown in this fight. Um, he did get Makhachev down at one point, but he only got him down to one knee. Um, and it was more of a mat return than a takedown. Um, but I was impressed he was even able to do that, um, you know, being the smaller guy coming in here. So <clears throat> I guess what we're going to see next, Jeff, because I, I don't I don't think there's enough people clamoring for a rematch between these two. Not now, anyway. Uh, we may see it down the line, but I think we're going to see Volk return to 145, defend his title there against Yair Rodriguez, who uh, won the interim belt last last night. Do you see? Do you see that happening, or do you see uh, an immediate rematch here? Um, and if not, what's next for Mahashev? I think. <clears throat> excuse me. I think I don't see an immediate rematch just because Makachev. Uh, he's not very marketable. Um, you know, he, he's a quiet guy, you know, even at the end of when he won the lightweight belt, it was Khabib on the mic, 
right? Mm-hmm. Saying, you know, we're going to go uh, to to Perth and we're going to mm-hmm. fight uh, Volk, Volkanovski. Um, mm-hmm. So so I feel like an, an immediate rematch is not in the cards. Um, and I'll be honest with you, Bill, Yair Rodriguez versus Josh Emmett was awesome. I mm-hmm. felt like it was a better fight than Volkanovski versus Makachev, to be honest with you. But mm-hmm. that's because I, I, I love finishes. I love seeing, but I love seeing finishes. But the whole fight, they were going at it, man. And um, yeah, I think Gary Rodriguez versus Volkanovski is the fight to make right now. Um, as for Makachev, I don't know what you do with him, man. Uh, maybe you give him the winner of Conor McGregor versus uh, Michael Chandler. If that fight does materialize, well, you're talking a long time from now, though, because they got to film the Ultimate Fighter. That fight's oh. probably going to happen in, I, I don't know, like International Fight Week or something. That might be in the summertime, and that fight's going to be at 170. Ah, but supposedly it's something they worked out where the fight's at 170, but it counts towards their 155 ranking, kind of like what they did with uh, Connor and Cowboy, which is just weird to me. Like, just be one weight. Just be in the weight class. Um, <clears throat> like, why do we need to have two guys fight at a different weight class and it counts towards it? It just confuses everything. So that they can juice up, Bill. Come on, dude. Get with the program. Yeah, that's true. I wonder how they're going to handle it. Like, when does Connor re-enter the USADA pool? Has that happened he yet? He doesn't, Bill. That's how you figure that out. <laughs> yeah, he's out of the pool. <laughs> he's dry, dude. <laughs> it's... Uh, He's the, like if they're playing uh, Marco Polo, he's the fish out of water. <laughs> yeah, but Bill, um, I will I will give it to Conor McGregor. You know I'm not a fan of his. I just I don't like the cut of his jib, man. He's a good fighter, but I don't like the cut of his jib. But I will say this: remember, he broke his leg in his last fight against Dustin Poirier. Um, so I think retiring and getting out of the pool of the of the USADA pool was a good idea, so he could recover. He's mm-hmm. probably taking stuff to to fix that leg. Okay, that is not allowed by USADA. Dude, so I'll, I'll say it. Let's just do Conor McGregor, Michael Chandler, no drugs barred. No drugs barred. Let's just <laughs> come on. We know they're both juicing. Like Connor's all but said it. Like he left the USADA pool so he could take some stuff to recover from the broken leg. Yeah, fine. Whatever. Anderson Silva did it too. Because remember, after he snapped his leg in half, he, he got popped for steroids in his next fight. Um, and look at Chandler. I mean, the guy's, what is he? 36 years old, 37. Nobody looks like that at 36. Built like a brick shit house. Yeah. Come on. Looks like Let's just, just don't test him. Let's just, <laughs> uh, let's keep this one. Hush, hush. And let's market it. Let's, let's just market it that way. Let's just call it what it is. Like we're going to let these two guys juice to the tits and beat the fuck out of each other. Like, if you're promoting this power slap bullshit, like, let's just do it. Let's do juiced MMA. Let's just let's throw the rule book out the window. Look, they're gonna be 170. Maybe we'll do it at 175. They can take whatever they want. Let's do pride rules. They could bump cocaine right before they come out to the cage. Let's just see a show. But yeah, I don't think um I, I don't think it's going to be either one of those guys. I would like to see Michael Chandler and Mahashev at some point. I think that's a fun fight. I think it's an exciting fight. Um, you know, Mahashev, his striking is not the best. Um, oh, absolutely. He he basically uses his striking to to set up his his entries. Um, 
and and like would he be able to get underneath Michael Chandler, who's a, a great wrestler as well? Um, but let's talk about the fights that actually happened. So Yair Rodriguez, Josh Emmett. I feel like Josh Emmett had a really rough weight cut. Yeah, you know he's he a bigger dude um, for one forty five. He's 37 years old now. He looked really sucked out yeah. at the weigh-ins. Um, and I thought Yair had a great game plan. Those body kicks, man. Um, Nasty. It, it, they would have put lesser men out. And then, you know, he just, he didn't even care to end up underneath Emmett. Because it, it happened, I believe, in the first round, Emmett got on top of him. Um, and in the second round, Yair was dropping those nasty elbows so i i don't think it was necessarily the triangle that finished it i think emmett was you know he got pretty battered in that fight he got hit with some big shots and some big elbows and you know he did the wrestler thing where he leaned into the triangle um you, you know it's just it's just part of it like when you're a wrestler you you lean into triangles like it happened to me for years when i first started jiu-jitsu I would get triangled left and right. And obviously the most famous example was Chael Sonnen getting triangled at the end of the Anderson Silva fight. But um, that's what happened here. Yeah, you're Rodriguez, man. Everybody talks about how dynamic his striking is. This guy's got some grappling. I mean, after popping out Brian Ortega's shoulder, I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Like he had a tight ass arm bar. Ortega defended it the absolute wrong way, the way you're told to never defend an arm bar. And his shoulder popped out. And now he submits Josh Emmett, uh, a guy who had never been submitted before. Uh, so give me thoughts here, kid. Yeah, dude. Um, <clears throat> Bill, I'm with you 100%, man. Those body shots were so nasty, dude. And I felt like after the first two, Josh Emmett's whole side was just red, man. Mm-hmm. And, and you could hear him, right? Like the mics were picking up these body shots, man. So nasty. Yair Rodriguez, you know, he has this the very dynamic striking, but he's also calculated with it, Bill. Um, you know, the, like you said, it was a, it was an elbow that really made Josh Emmett go into like, you know, go into, all right, I got to take this guy down because mm-hmm. that elbow, it looked like it really hurt him. Um, so Yari Rodriguez, his Muay Thai is pretty nice. Um, you know, like we said, dynamic striking, um, the body shots were nasty. I, Josh Emmett really didn't have an answer for them. Mm-hmm. And Bill, I, I agree with you. It looked like he was a little bit sucked out. I think that's why he had the beard so that you couldn't really notice it. But, but it just, to me, Josh Emmett just looked like older in there. Um, and I think that's due to the weight cutter. I don't know if he was injured or something, but um, you know, Yair Rodriguez got right in his face. Right. And Josh Emmett, there was, I think I want to say it, the end of the first round or beginning of the second round, Josh Emmett landed this really hard right hand that made the mm-hmm. Rodriguez back up, dude. So I thought this was, this was going to be like, I, I thought it was going to go a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And I felt like Yari Rodriguez, I was like, man, if this guy's not careful and he walks into another right hand like that, he, he might not get out as easily. But um, like you said, Rodriguez hit a nice elbow on Josh Emmett, which I think started this whole sequence. And Bill, yeah. um, you know, one of the first things that we learned in the triangle, and you know this, Bill, is two hands in or two hands out with the triangle, right? And I guess um, Josh Emmett just went into like survival mode for a little bit and mm-hmm. thought, you know, I'm on top of this guy. 
Um, but dude, Yair Rodriguez, he was pretty nice off his back, man. He didn't make it easy for Josh Emmett at all. Um, even building up to that arm triangle, uh, mm-hmm. Yair Rodriguez, he's, he has a very active guard bill mm-hmm. and as a bigger, heavier guy, I hate it when people are very active off their back. Cause I'm just like, dude, I can't, yeah. like, I can't settle down anywhere. Yeah. Uh, but dude, I liked the adjustment too. When he reached, instead of reaching over Emmett's back to grab his own shin, he kind of reached like under his his far leg and pulled mm-hmm. the ankle back. I thought that was a really sweet adjustment. But it was a really nice triangle finish, man. Huge credit to Yair Rodriguez. Yeah, you got to give him credit. It was nice. It was slick. It was a good setup. Um, even though Josh Emmett had a deer in headlights moment and he made a mistake. He leaned into it. He did exactly what you're not supposed to do. You got to posture up. Um, you, you gotta, you know, try and sneak your other arm in there. Um, and you know, he just did the wrong thing, but, uh, I want to rewind a little bit to the right hand that he hurt Rodriguez with. I, I think if Emmett wasn't so rocked and wasn't so hurt to the body, that same right hand puts Rodriguez out. Mm. Um, so it, it was a good thing. He had invested those shots into the body, um, and hit him the way he did. But, um, largely I think Emmett had a pretty good game plan because for someone who throws kicks the way Rodriguez does, what you have to do is smother them, Mm -hmm. Um, which is why the fight with Volkanovsky is interesting to me because Volkanovsky likes to float in and out of the pocket. Um, You know, he likes to close distance, um, pitter patter some shots and then get right back out. But that's not a great strategy. You don't want to be outside the pocket against a guy like Yair Rodriguez because he's so good with his range and so good at judging distance um, that that he'll be able to clip you out there. Uh, somebody like that, you got to get in. You got to clinch with him. You got to make him carry your weight a lot, um, dirty box him, uh, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it's getting to the point where you're not even going to want to take him down. Cause now the guy's good off his back too. Um, it, you know, it, it's no small task submitting Josh Emmett. I mean, here's a guy who, who's been on top of some real slick uh, jujitsu practitioners. Um, you, you know, re- always relied heavily on his power, but he has a wrestling background as well. Um, and you know, he's going with some good grapplers over there at team alpha male. Although I don't know how many guys over there are putting them in triangles. Cause you know, they're all built like us, Jeff. Yeah, dude, those Team Alpha Mill guys, they like the wrestlers, man. But, mm-hmm. Bill, um, I wanted to to piggyback off what you are saying about Yair Rodriguez. He's a long guy, so like you said, getting out of range is not always an option with him. And it's that long lankiness that helped him seal up the triangle that way. Because somebody who's built like me, Bill, I got this belly in the way. I'm not reaching under my other leg to finish up a triangle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He just he just slapped it up there. It was nice. It um reminiscent of one of my longtime training partners and, and coaches, John Keller. Shout out to John Keller. The guy that guy's triangled me so many times. <laughs> it's because you keep leaning into it, Bill. I know, it's true, but it's also because he's good at it. He turned me into a fucking geometry homework <laughs> hey, he can he can get the triangles from everywhere he's got setups like crazy so shout out to john um let's see jack della madalena uh really nice win over randy brown what i had said last week is this is such a huge step up in competition for him 
you know, he's got three first round finishes going into this in the UFC, I believe. But, you know, Randy Brown is on another level, 32 years old, just hitting his stride, just hitting his prime. Looked good. You know, he was controlling the striking in this fight for as long as it lasted, uh, but then got clipped. And, um, you know, Jack Della Maddalena, man, this dude's a finisher. Yeah, dude, that left hook was nasty, man. Hits Randy Brown, and then Brown face plants. Bill, for me, this was hard to watch. You know, Randy Brown's a Henzo Gracie guy out of New York City, so mm-hmm. I, you know, I always root for him. But um, credit to Della Madalena, man. Um, you know, then he seals up the the rear naked choke. I mean, th- this is a really big feather in his cap, man. Uh, Randy Brown, really, really tough guy, pretty well rounded, and like you said, he wasn't looking bad up until he got caught mm-hmm. and here's the guy 26 years old um he, he's got star power written all over him because the yeah. fact that he can take such a huge leap in in competition i mean you know you look at his last few fights all right danny roberts ramzan Amiv, pete rodriguez okay <clears throat> let's see did he fight anybody notable before getting to the ufc not really so this is a huge step up in competition in his hometown, not just his home country, but he's from Perth. Um, and the fact that he can shine like that and still come away with a first round finish against a guy like Randy Brown, um, the sky's the limit for this kid, really. Yeah, absolutely. So w- what's next for him? Obviously, it's got to be somebody top 15. Yeah, I think you have to. Um and Bill, while you're looking this up, I just wanted to give a shout out to Kamaru Usman, who was in the 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 second Black Panther movie. Oh, pretty, was he? Yeah, dude. Um, he didn't have a big role, but he he did have a couple of lines. And I'm looking at this guy. I'm like, is that Kamaru Usman? And then, and then he started speaking. I was like, oh snap! It is Kamaru Usman. Good for him. Mm-hmm. You know, bouncing back from the shin to chin that he received <laughs> from Leon Edwards. All right, um, so I'm good with anybody in the in the bottom of this top 15 for um, Della Maddalena. Uh, Li Jing Liang, that's a good fight. Michelle Perea, that's an awesome fight. Neil Magny, sure, let's do it. Magny's like kind of on the way out of the top 15 with that loss to Gilbert Burns. Maddalena wants to work his way in. Michael Chiesa, I'm all for it. Um, Bill, Bill, let's slow down here, dude. I, I, I don't think he's ready for Michael Chiesa just yet, but I do like the Neil Magny fight or the Lee Jing Liang fight. I think both. I think you can't go wrong with either of those. What about Michelle Padilla? Um, I think. Um, I don't know, dude. Now that I think about it, I feel like Ma, um, Madalena might might get in his face a little bit. And that would really stifle Pereira's, uh, you know, because he needs space to get off those dynamic strikes. So I think that could be a good fight, too, now that I think about it. I think he gives Michael Chiesa a run for his money. I don't know, dude. I feel like I feel like the 13, 14, and 15, I think I think those are good fights. Mm-hmm. I feel like, like Michael Chiesa, I feel like he's just like one step too high that Madalena's like i feel like he's not there yet do you think michael chiesa beats randy brown in two minutes all right fair enough i don't, I don't think that happens all right 
All right, you got, you got me there. I I mean, that's that's kind of the bar we're working with now, and it, in front of his hometown with all that pressure, the lights shining brighter than they ever have in his career. Um, I say, you know, if he can handle that, uh, why wait? Why? There are some guys that don't need to be built up slow, and I feel like this is one of them. Um, Justin Taffa, big first-round knockout over Parker Porter. Um, I feel like Parker Porter didn't fight a smart fight uh, in this one because his path to victory was, you know, close the distance, drag him to the ground, and lay on him for a couple of rounds, soften him up, and and then try and bang with him, but... Um, you know, he skipped steps A, B, and C, and we see how that worked out for him. Yeah, dude, he was going for the big loop and punches, the big uh, looping punches. I'm sorry, and then Justin Toffa just caught him with with a little little uppercut, Bill, and then the nasty uppercut that followed. Uh, I'm sorry, he caught him with with a little bit of a hook uh, in one of those looping punches, and then came the uppercut. Um, really, really. <laughs> yeah, dude, that that was the the big line from Mark Fellows uh, that Justin Taffa said at the end of the fight. If you reach, I have to teach, and that's mm-hmm. what happened, right? So Porter's coming in with this looping punch, and Taffa just hit him with with that little um, hook, and the hook connected first. So um, yeah, dude. But Bill, take nothing away from Justin Taffa, dude. I think there was a performance that he needed. He mm-hmm. needed to to kind of you know light a fire in his belly. And I, I felt like this was that performance. Yeah. I mean, he, he was definitely one of the guys who he, who shined in this situation, you know, fighting on this, on this Perth card. Um, <clears throat> and he, he was one of the ones who had some of the most to lose out of this. So he came through big time um, and it was definitely a losable fight for him because Parker Porter, um skilled man he he probably could have gotten him down and, and if he fought a smarter fight probably could have walked away with a w but um you know he got in there and the crowd was going nuts they wanted to see see these big heavyweights slanging and banging so you know parker porker is not gonna uh, older <laughs> little freudian Dude, slip there that could be his nickname <laughs> porker porter porker porter <laughs> Or Parker Porker, whatever, whatever you want. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I um, what well, the the guy that's on um, the Kenny Florian John Anik podcast, he does the um the betting stuff. Brian Petrie, he said Parker Porter when he retires needs to open a steakhouse and name it after himself. <laughs> oh, dude, that would be awesome. <laughs> It'd be better if they called it Parker Porkers. Dude, that's they, perfect. They do like that's... pulled pork. Yeah, dude. Um, <clears throat> Jimmy Crute and Alonzo Menafield, majority draw. Uh, credit to Jimmy Crute for just like surviving this fight. Yeah. Because he almost died a few times in there. Um, you know, the, the fact that he was able to take those shots from Alonzo Menafield. I actually missed what the foul was for the point deduction, Jeff. Did you have, did you happen to catch it? Um, it was a fence grab. Uh, Jimmy mm. Crew went for a takedown, and Menafield in the third round, and Menafield grabbed the fence, mm-hmm. and it was it. It looked like he stopped the takedown. 
Okay. So um, I think uh, I forgot the rest of the name, that British dude, the giant guy. Mark Goddard. Thank you. So Mark Goddard took the point, and I think he did the right thing. He started them in a 50-50 position, you know, uh, one arm under, one arm over against the fence. Bill, it was, it was the right call. Um, he because Jimmy crew would have been in a position where he could potentially have won that round. Mm-hmm. So, so I thought it was a really good call. Um, but if Menafield just let him like, let the takedown happen and not grab the fence, then he would have won the fight. If he hadn't have lost the point. Yes. Because but... for it to be judged a draw, he, that means he lost the third round plus the point deduction. So it was 10, eight, but he won the first two rounds. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I scored it too. Yeah. yeah. So if he doesn't grab the fence, he wins the fight. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think grab so. the fence kids. Yeah. I just felt like, like, I felt like the point deduction was justified just because of yeah what it meant potentially. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right, dude. If men feel that just gotten taken down, probably could have fought his way back. I mean, Jimmy, dude, Jimmy crew looked like he had been, just gotten back from his own funeral, dude. Yeah. Like, he got tuned up. Um, and, and you know, he's, like, sticking his tongue out. Well, I, you're not doing anything. You're still eating damage, dude. Uh, but, mm-hmm. Bill, I'm not going to lie. This was a good fight, man. I really enjoyed this one. I thought um, I thought that they would maybe give it to Jimmy Crute because of the point deduction. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I, think a, I think a draw was justified. I think Menafield could have won this fight, like you said. Uh, if he had not grabbed so here here we are now with jimmy crute and um you know two losses in a row over top level guys and anthony smith jamal hill and then took big damage from menafield in this fight i mean he's six two he's pretty wide do you think he can make 185 Mm. i mean he's a big dude but when you saw him next to Menafield, like Menafield's like significantly wider. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Menafield's a big boy, dude. Um hmm. Bill, I think I I think he could go for it. I think Jimmy Crew, yeah. I think he Be- could go for one eighty five. Because at the top of this division, I mean, look, back to back knockout losses to Anthony Smith and Jamal Hill, and no shame in that, you know. Obviously, Jamal Hill's champ, Anthony Smith, has fought for the title. Um, but then with the damage he's taken from Menafield, and obviously he's going to keep fighting top-level competition, I just don't know, man, if light heavyweight is the place for this kid. I mean, he's only got 15 fights, and look at the damage he's already taken. Hmm. I, I would... <clears throat> I don't know if he can make it. I'm not... I don't know what he walks around at. Um you know, looking at his build, I I would think he walks around like 225. So if he just like, I don't know. It, it's a big, the thing that sucks about it, it's a big, if there's a, if there's a 195 class, I would, I would say he should definitely move down. Um, But 85 is such a huge jump. Yeah. It's 20 pounds, dude. It's, uh, it's like two, two weight classes, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and Mark Fellow says he'd rather see Crute learn to move his head. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, he, you know, he's got kind of a brawling style, 
and he can get it to the ground, but he waits until like he's already taken damage to try and get it to the ground. Um, yeah, you got to keep your head off that center line, especially you're going against these light heavyweights, man. That's like the difference between a, a good retirement and a retirement where you don't recognize your family every day. Yeah. So, I don't know. Whatever it is, I hope he takes a while to recover from this one um, and gets back in there and does it the smart way. Um, Modestus Bukowskis, who has a loss to Jimmy Crude, I believe, uh, unanimous decision over Tyson Pedro here. Um, beyond that, Jeff, I'll be honest with you, I did not catch the prelims, so you're going to have to walk me through a little bit and tell me what I need to go back and watch here. Okay, Bill. Um, for some reason, uh, the Kulibau versus uh, uh, Melsic Bagdasarian fight. Uh, I'll be honest with you, Bill. I was putting something in the wash, so I was like really, I, I was really in and out with that one. Um, but the finish was really nice. Okay. Um, Bill, I liked Rodriguez versus Shannon Ross, dude, because Rodriguez went in there and won the fight in like two minutes, dude. Like, it, he gave him the fade. Fifty nine seconds. He gave him the fade. All right. Mm. Like he, dude, Rodriguez came with this crazy combination. He clipped him with, I believe, I want to say it was a uh, jab or a hook, and then mm -hmm. he starts throwing crazy, dude. At one point, he jumps up and hits Ross with his glute because I don't know if he mm. went for a flying knee, but he went for like. It ended up looking like, uh, um, Bill, do you remember Rikishi? Yes. The wrestler. It was kind of like the stink face. Okay. But, but uh, but I, I think it was just, he was so excited that, that he knew he had Ross hurt. So Did he knock go... him out with that? <clears throat> no, he knocked him out with the next strike though. It would have been awesome if he knocked him out with his ass. Yeah, dude, that would have been. Do we awesome. know who missed weight in this one? Cause this was a 127 pound catch weight. Oh, really? Oh, dude. No, I couldn't tell you. That and it looks like the first fight was as well, 158 pounds. The uh, Oliveira versus Takugov. Um, Bill, that's <coughs> actually. Oh, Bill, uh, Jack Jenkins versus Don Shanus mm -hmm. was also a really good fight. Really, really good fight. Okay. Um, Shanus is a real tough dude, man. Um, and Jack Jenkins showed that he's well rounded. Uh, for me, that was a great fight. That was actually, I think that was my favorite fight on the undercard. So definitely mm -hmm. go back and check that out. Uh, and that's also where I started watching the fights. So Jamie Malarkey versus Francisco Prado, not bad either. Um, but it was a very dominating performance from Jamie Malarkey. And Francisco Prado, he just showed that he's a tough dude, man. Mm -hmm. But uh, he's only 20 years old, so he still has a lot of learning to do. Um, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean, you know, he's got some experience to gain. Mm -hmm. But uh, a more dominating performance, Jamie Malarkey, he's a little bit more seasoned, so... You know, uh, yeah. you can maybe skip that one if you want, but definitely Jack Jenkins versus Don Shanus. Uh, definitely check that out. I think if there's one fight on the prelims that you, if you can only watch one, uh, for me, it's Jenkins versus Shanus. Really, really good fight. Cool. I will do that. All right. And I see uh, Loma Lukbumi, uh, who's a tie fighter, uh, got a submission over Elise Reed uh, in the second round, rear naked choke. So, I'd like to go back and catch that one as well. Um, solid main card, man. I was loving the flow of it last night because yeah. I don't like when these things go too late. So, like, all the finishes and just the pacing of it was nice. I don't feel like they were blowing a lot of time in between fights, like, normally. 
Um, they drag everything out so much. I love the pace of this one. Um, so hopefully this is something we see going forward. But yeah, great card. I thought it was a great competitive main event. I didn't even mind staying up late. Sometimes when these main events go to decision, I'm like, come on. I just want to fucking go to bed. <laughs> yeah. But um, I did not feel that way for this main event, which says a lot because, um, you know, I have come to value sleep at this age, Jeff, over uh, entertainment. <laughs> oh, Bill, I agree with you on that, dude. I'm 31 now. Bill, I'm 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 shocked. Like, I don't, I don't know when I turned. I don't even know when I turned 30, dude. I think it was. <laughs> Me it was, either. Dude, and, and I just appreciate sleep so much more, man. Like, when the main card started, I was fading, Bill. But uh-huh. then, uh, but then the, uh, then, then that Menafield versus Brute fight happened, and I woke up immediately. So, it's a good mm-hmm. basing on the card. Yeah, I was, I was lucky this weekend because, um, since my parents were here, uh, my daughter didn't even come in my room this morning. Um, you know, normally she's there, like, at the crack of dawn when it's not a school day to school day. I have to go and like, she doesn't even wake up. I got to carry her downstairs so I can like start making coffee and stuff. Um, but on the weekend, she's like, it's like six 45. She's like, are you up yet? What are we going to do today? Um, but luckily today she just went right downstairs and woke my parents up instead. So that was kind of nice. It was a nice little uh, recovery. I got to, sleep in until like 7 45 <laughs> nice um yeah which i i definitely appreciated after being up late watching these fights so um let's fast forward next week back at the apex um fight night 219 jessica andrage jumping back in there after what three weeks um since she battered lauren murphy um getting when in did there that happen i don't remember that fight did I you miss remember, that card? You don't remember Jessica Andrade beating the brakes off of Lauren Murphy? No. I think it was January 21. So it was like not, it was like three weeks ago. January Let's see, 21. What? what was I doing that day? Oh, it might have been a friend's birthday that day, Bill. I think that's why I missed this one. Yeah, it was uh, UFC 238 uh, to Shara against Hill. Yeah, Wait, but she, I watched. Oh, dude, I did miss this card. I think she, I fell asleep. She beat the shit out of Lauren Murphy. Like everyone was criticizing the referee and the corner and everyone for not wow. stopping it. But um, she's jumping in here on short notice against Aaron Blanchfield because somebody pulled out of this fight. Aaron Blanchfield, man, is tough as fuck. Good grappler. She's played spoiler for a few chicks now already. But man, oh man, is this a step up in competition? I mean, the fact that she's even taking this fight after watching what she just did to Laura Murphy, you got to give her credit. Um, I believe Aaron Blanchfield is one of the most talented prospects in women's MMA, not just not just in this 125 pound division. Um, but. Man, this is a tough one on short notice. Oh, okay. Now I remember Aaron Blanchfield. She's the one who shut up Molly McCann. Yeah, I, and she's a Henzo Gracie student as well. I don't, I don't know if she's a black belt, but I, I've heard stories about her in the blue basement. Um, 
just handling people. Wow. Um, but you know, Jessica Andrade is a little fucking tank, man. Good luck taking yeah. her down and good luck taking any of her shots on the way in. Um, good luck trying to hold her up against the cage too, dude. This is a great fight. I just don't know if it's the right time for it to happen for Aaron Blanchfield. Um, especially uh, with how on fire Jessica Andrade has been lately. I mean, she's just, she's just a woman possessed. Um, I don't know. What, what's the over under on this fight? Does it get more views than Jessica Andrade's OnlyFans page, Jeff? What? Jessica Andrade has an only What? <laughs> um, Bill, um, I'm, I'm hoping the UFC gives her a good payday so she doesn't have to make an OnlyFans. But, um, dude. Yeah. Oh, man, I, I agree with you, dude. <laughs> it's not the move <clears throat> for Aaron Blanchfield to take this fight. At this stage of her career, mm-hmm. um, you know, she's on the rise. She's got a nice win streak going. Wins against, uh, like we said, Molly McCann, shut her up, which, you know, I think the uh, all of the world is happy about. Um, at least I am. I, I feel like Molly McCann's very annoying. But um, also a big win against J.J. Aldrich, another very tough fighter. But Bill, I think it's too much too soon, dude. She's trying to bite off more than she can chew. Jessica Andrade is, dude, she's like the Terminator. Uh-huh. She, her only mission is to destroy John Connor, dude. Like, <laughs> John Connor, in this example, being whoever is standing across from her in the cage, man. Ever since she lost the belt, dude, I feel like she's just been on a rampage, dude. Uh-huh. Um, So I agree with you, man. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Aaron Blanchfield and her team see something, some weakness that she can exploit. But, dude, this is not the move. This ain't it, Bill. Like, I mean, look, if they think she's ready to fight for a championship, like, this is the way to get there. Like, and especially if, like, nobody else wants to fight her. I don't know why this is a last-minute thing. Um, I think it was uh, Talia Santos who pulled out of this fight. I'm not totally sure. Oh, Mark. Mark thinks it was as well. Um, so I don't know if she just can't get a fight and like, this is her only way to fast track herself to uh, mm. a title shot, but you know, Hey, power to her just for getting in there. Um, I'm not too familiar with a lot of fighters on this card yet, but I'm surprised at the placement of some of the fighters on this card. We got, uh, William Knight, who's always entertaining to me against Marcin Pracnio. Uh, but well, that'd be a really good fight. That could dude. that could be the co-main event. Yeah, and I'm not sure why it isn't, uh, actually, because I'm not familiar with Zach Pauga, um, who's fighting Jordan Wright in the co-main event. But then if you look here, Jeff, at the opening fight of the main card, Jim Miller and Alexander Hernandez, like, why why did I not know this fight was happening? Dude. And if you scroll down even farther to the prelims, we have Ovin St. Preux against Felipe Lenz. who who designed this i don't know dude i'm hoping that like this isn't like the official order of the fights and this is just how they like posted them on sure dog but uh yeah let me check wikipedia because sometimes wikipedia has them on in order and then here this fight is interesting to me jamal emmers 
fighting a 23-0 Kusin Askabov, I want to say. This is interesting. Um, in the same order online, too. We got a few undefeated fighters um, on this card. So, I, yeah, this is a pretty fun one to me. I'm intrigued by this main event. I want to see how it's going to go. Um, ah, man, Aaron Blanchfield, man, she's just so young. Yeah. Well, but, I forget who the champ is at Flyweight. Is it? Uh, is it? Is it still Carlos Barza? Um, Valentina Shevchenko. I thought she was the champ at 115. No. All right, I got my weight classes mixed up. Well, um, that's because Jessica Andrade has bounced back and forth. She's back up at 125 now. Oh well, there you go. Um, that's why. But yeah, dude. Um, I don't know, man. Um, I, I think that for the sake of the flyweight uh, picture, I think this fight is necessary, Bill, mm-hmm. only because Shevchenko has uh, who I forgot who she's fighting next. Uh, she's ranked number five in the division. I can't remember her name, but uh, Bill, after that fight, I feel like Shevchenko will have cleaned out the division essentially. So I think I think this fight is kind of necessary. I don't know why um, Shevchenko wasn't clamoring for the Juliana Pena fight right after Pena won the title. That would have been the smartest move because that would have been her in to to have the double champ status because the, the UFC doesn't want to put her in there with Amanda Nunez again. Yeah. So and... That ship has sailed. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but that's what I would have liked to see her do because I think Shevchenko beats Pena again. Yeah, I think so too. Um Bill, do you think that if Shevchenko, and it is just a snare in my head, but if Shevchenko had had done that and beaten Pena, do you think the UFC would have allowed the trilogy fight? Yeah, I think that's the only way it would have happened. Mm. I think you have to do it at that point. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, dude, um, Bill, I agree with you, but I don't know. I, I think that the UFC would have given Nunez the rematch quickly anyway, just mm-hmm. because of her body of work, dude. Champion in two divisions, 135 and 145, defended the belts, mm-hmm. you know, simultaneously, you know, was not afraid to jump up and down. So I think they would have given her the quick rematch anyway. Yeah. But if you're Shevchenko, like at least ask for the fight and then say like, if you don't give it to me, let me fight the winner, you know, but and Bill, you know me, man. I'm always gonna love Shevchenko. Um, she's awesome. She's a great fighter, and she lived in Peru for for a, you know a good portion of her life. And Bill, you know me, dude. I I love Peru. I still rave about it. Yes, sir. Um, it was it was a very nice time. Yeah, for me, a lot of people are you know a lot of people are debating like, well, is Mahashev the number one pound for pound fighter, or is it Volkanovski? You know, kind of like you know there is Valentina Shevchenko out there. <laughs> Who, you know, for my money, if you're talking about just straight skills, um, man or woman, she's one of the most skilled fighters on the planet. Dude, she's so well-rounded, man. Like, like her, her grappling, like her, her wrestling may be not good, but she has submissions, dude. Like she's gotten people off her back. She can ground and pound people. Mm -hmm. Dude, her striking is second to none. Um, you know, big Muay Thai background and, and Shevchenko, she just goes in there and she just breaks people down. Mm-hmm. Dude. 
Yeah. I mean, freestyle wrestling maybe, but she's got takedowns, you know, yeah, that are absolutely. effective. Um, all right, Jeff, I know you got a, um, a foosball game you want to get to. Is there anything else you want to get off your chest? You want to give us a prediction for the game? What is it? The Chiefs and the Yankees? Uh, it's some bird. So, um, so it's the Chiefs versus the Eagles. Bill, I am not a fan of Patrick Mahomes because everybody thinks he's better than Tom Brady, but he doesn't have seven Super Bowls to prove it. So, mm. um, he's well, been after this... today, he might have two. Yeah, um, yeah, but I'll be honest with you, I'm not invested in this game. Um, you know, I, I still want to watch it, but I'm not as invested as past years, man. Yeah. Um, although the the good story, I guess the one story is that um, that dude, um, Kelsey, his brother plays for the Eagles, so you got like two brothers playing against each other. I guess that's cool. Um, so whatever sure. happens, their their parents are gonna have a Super Bowl ring in their house. So I I don't think I'm gonna watch the game. We did get invited to a Super Bowl party, but it was like. It was a no kids party because one of and these people have kids too. It's like, what am I gonna? I'm gonna fucking pay a babysitter to come watch football at your house on a Sunday night, and then this game ends how how late? How late does this game go? 10, 11 o'clock. What am I lucky. supposed to do with my kid? I'm gonna <laughs> like you know I'm gonna put her to bed in an hour or so. Maybe I'll turn on the game, but I'd probably much rather watch a movie. Um, I watched a cool movie the other night, Jeff, on HBO. Um, by the way, I, I think the Eagles are going to win. I, I don't really give a shit. And I, the only football game I watched all year was the football game I went to with my dad, which was the Chiefs and the Bucks. Um, <coughs> I kind of want the Chiefs to win, but I believe the Eagles will win. So if you were looking for a Super Bowl pick for me, which obviously you're not. Because if you're interested in the Super Bowl, you wouldn't be listening to this right now. Uh, but oh. there you have it. Um, but this movie on HBO is called The Menu. And it's about this like really eccentric chef where you pay like 12 grand for a dinner at his restaurant. And he brings you out to an island on a boat. And um, it's like a four and a half hour dinner. And it, like he curates his menu. And just like a bunch of weird shit starts happening. But it, it was interesting, like thriller, dark comedy type of movie. Um, you'd probably enjoy it. Uh, I don't know, Bill. It sounds like it. It sounds like feminism, the motion picture to me. But, <laughs> I mean, there, it wasn't. <laughs> but that, that's, I'm just telling you what it sounds like to me. <laughs> but, I don't think uh, it sounds anything like that. <laughs> but anyway. I didn't even mention that there was any women in it. Bill, come on, dude. Every movie, the every movie that's come out since 2021, the main character is a woman, and all men are stupid in the movie. So. But Bill, um, I a movie that I checked out that I told you to check out on Netflix, Bill, and it's not on there anymore. So if you didn't watch it, you missed the boat. But it's called Legend, and it stars Tom Hardy. Bill, you know I love Tom Hardy, um, and it's he he plays these twin brothers, and they're they're gangsters in England, um, and they're basically growing their empire and stuff. Bill, really, really like good I've movie. Seen this. Bill, I think you'd like that movie. You, you know, you and me are into like old gangster films. And I like old gangster films, Bill, because all the gangsters look cool. They all got three-piece suits on. Um, but, Bill, you'd like it. Um, you know, without going into too much detail, it's just really entertaining. Like, the brothers are so different from each other. Like, the one dude mm -hmm. kind of wants to get out of it and have like a normal life, have like a wife and kids and stuff. But the other brother, he's a little bit like on the wilder side. 
and he kind of always ends up pulling them back in and stuff. Um, okay. But yeah, really, really good movie, Bill. Uh, maybe you have seen it before, but if you haven't, definitely go check it out, dude. Um, it Sounds really- like a boatload of feminism to me. Bill, what are you talking about? It's about two dudes being gangsters. I don't see how anything would be more feminist than that. <laughs> All right. It's just there's this one scene, Bill. I'll probably send it to you. It, it doesn't really spoil anything in the movie, but it's just a great scene, a great scene, dude. And it involves Guinness, which I know we both enjoy. All right. Well, sold. Um, in any case, I hope everybody's enjoying the Super Bowl who didn't tune into the show live. Um, I won't hold it against you this time, but uh, you better be here next week. So make sure you turn on your notifications. We're going to break down this. Andrage Blanchfield, uh, Blanchfield card and uh, some other stuff. If you want to grab some MMA on the Rocks merchandise, you could do so at reaper1.co. You can use the promo code MMARocks10. Save yourself 10% on our merchandise or on anything else on the website. So go ahead and check it out. And uh, you can grab yourself an over-the-top, under-the-influence T-shirt, tank top, or hoodie if you so choose. I know hoodie season's coming to an end, but I know a lot of your girlfriends have stolen your hoodies, so... Um, you know, if you broke up with them before Valentine's Day, go ahead and treat yourself. Um, order yourself an MMA on the Rocks hoodie to get you through the rest of winter. Uh, that's all I got. So until next time. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye.